Go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 664 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are back in 2024 live in the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, we just want to talk about the fact that a friend of ours just passed away this week. His name is Gary Vero. And we call him 55. He was a Ram rider. And in fact, back in 1986, he came in fifth place on the Wild World of Sports. And you guys, it is a crazy sport. You basically start with your foot in the Pacific. You jump on a bike solo by yourself. And you ride all the way to the Atlantic. It's over 3,100 miles. He did it in just over 10 days. That means for the first three days, you don't even get off the bike. And as a result of that, Ron and I went on one of these Ram rides. We ended up working in something called a sag wagon. And the sag wagon, their job is to make sure that the rider out front, that they're safe, they have food, they brush their teeth, they're encouraged. Uh, and also, they have some speakers set up because back then, you know, you didn't have an Apple Watch where you could listen to tunes or you didn't have an iPad or an iPod or you didn't have anything to stick in your ear. You just had these big stereo speakers that'd be on the top of the van and two microphones. And that's kind of where the Ron and Don show start started. Uh, we would try to keep riders awake during the Ram event. And the next thing you know, uh, we end up with our first job at KJR Seattle, uh, here in Seattle, working on sports radio. So anyway, the eulogy was this week. It was at a place called Eastside Church. Uh, that's, in fact, where we met Gary. Gary's very involved in the church. He's an incredible musician. Uh, he played for the Billy Graham Crusade to travel the world. He's this incredible athlete, as I just told you. And then also, he's father to five kids, his beautiful wife, Signe. I didn't know what to spec when we went there. I took my son out of school. He missed the school of rock that day. He really wanted to come because he loved Gary so much. It's one of the reasons why he plays his trumpet, because Gary was so cool to him. A number of years ago, we went over to his house at Christmas, and Gary had Gunner bring his trumpet when he could barely played over played eight weeks and uh gary jumped on the piano and he made my son feel like louis armstrong and since then uh his music career my little boy's music career as he now has become a young man has really taken off because of the encouragement of just an incredible musician and person like gary we've known gary for years in fact we used to do something on my birthday april 14th where he'd go up to orcas island uh, we ride up Mount Constitution on biker motorcycles. We do something, you know what I'm talking about, called paint the tank. In fact, I have some pictures to show you, Ron. I uh, have some uh, pictures that would, uh, of, of us painting the tank. There's an old tank up there that you can paint. And uh, one year, when the four firefighters died in the paying warehouse, uh, I don't know if you remember that story, but one of the reasons why the four firefighters died is because when the basement collapsed at the paying warehouse and they all went in, some of them could have gotten out, but they decided to stay down there and search for the other two. As a result of that, the floor gave in. Uh, they couldn't get out. They were searching for one another. They all ran out of oxygen. And the, really the motto of that particular firehouse and of Seattle Fire is to let no man fall. 
And they talked about that in the speeches. And I remember we went up there one weekend and we painted, let no man fall on that. As Gary went through his cancer journey the last nine and a half years, whenever I get off the phone with him or whenever we would talk, we would say that at the end of our conversation, let no man fall. And in fact, he gave me a, a beautiful picture of myself on a bike when I was 25 on one of his Davidson bikes. And at the, the bottom, uh, he wrote, let no man fall. So anyway, we've always wanted to be there in support of each other. Uh, and I feel like we did that in our eulogy this week. And what was really unique about it is we knew Gary from 30 years ago. Uh, his kids got to hear stories they'd never heard before. And it was really cool to be there and hear from people that were able to share stories that I have never heard before. And I have to say, if you're ever going to have a celebration of someone's life, let the people that were involved in that person's life speak and tell the effing minister to sit down. That's what was so great. The pastor that was there, I would say he spoke probably five minutes. The service lasted two hours. There was lots of music there, but lots of storytelling. And it was really cool that his kids could get up there. And they sang. And they shared stories. And then his wife, at the end of this two-hour service, Signe, she got up there. I've never heard anybody eulogize a partner the way that she did. She had everyone there in the palm of their hand. You got to fear, hear her sorrow. You got to hear the fact that she felt ripped off because they wouldn't be together till 92, till they were 92. And at the same time, you got to hear her gratitude. Attitude, all the raw emotion. And then after that, we all got together in a gathering where they were going to have their 30, 30th wedding anniversary. And in fact, they were going to have a party there and Gary didn't make it. And you know what Sydney said? She said, F it. I'm going to have this party anyway. So we had the party. The napkins were there that were supposed to be there for the 30th wedding anniversary. Everybody showed up and we had a party. And in some way, I still felt like Gary was there. Anyway, Ron, you were the first one up to speak, and uh, maybe you'd like to share a little bit of what you said, because I thought it was great and very powerful, and uh, and it was very emotional for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was emotional. I might get emotional now. Um, I, I guess the, the thrust of my... Well, whenever, maybe take behind the curtain a little bit. Um, I believe that when you are in a position like that, where they could have gotten a much more prominent people than me uh, to speak. Gary knew a lot of people in this world uh, that you would recognize their names, and I, I'm not going to name drop, but household names. Uh, Gary, yeah, he's the leader of the Paul Allen band. Yeah, I mean, so like, a lot of, Gary knew a lot of people. He knows Bono. He knows, yeah, he so knows to that. ask me to, to speak there, uh, I didn't take that lightly. So I wanted to make some sort of thing that would reflect my relationship with Gary, but also hopefully have people ponder that in their own lives. Like it, it's, uh, I would think that this is not just, um, it's an opportunity, I think, to reflect, look at your own life and, and take something away. So I was like, well, what is, what, what is that thing? What is the, what is the message that I, I want to get across? And for me, um, and I think everybody, I hope everybody has this person. I was in my your early twenties when I met Gary. So I've known Gary for more than half my life and you meet someone. And at the time you don't realize the impact they're going to have. And Gary was more than a decade older than me, but we became friends. And, um, it was through him and sort of watching. He was one of those people that didn't brag, 
but you would learn stuff about him like the race across America. He didn't lead with that. You had to know him for a while or be invited to his cabin and see the picture on the wall or go out to lunch with him and be in his van uh, to see evidence and then ask him about it. And then you would learn about these incredible, it's like, wait a minute, you're on wide world of sports and you did what? And how many days? And like, so you're like, wow. Like if I had done that, I'd be wearing a t-shirt around every day that said, ask me about how I rode across America in 10 days. That just wasn't his personality. And then all of the, the A-list celebrities that he played music with, the same thing. I would have been name dropping and bragging about that all the time. And he didn't. So when these things would become revealed at that age in my life, it opened my mind that it's like maybe a kid from Albuquerque that doesn't really have any discernible skill set per se. Maybe I can be on the radio with my friend Don. Maybe we can't. Maybe these people are no better than me. Maybe if I work hard and I put the miles in on the saddle, so to speak, that I can do these things. Like they all started somewhere and, and Gary started in Maine. Like if a guy from Maine can do this, maybe I can do this. And so it, he was that person for me that sort of opened my horizons up. And then the other thing that I, I took away that I'd said to all the people, and it, it's reminiscent of what we talked about uh, when I reflected on my, my, my trip here recently, is Gary, more than anyone that I've ever met, was all about, and I called it doing the thing. Whatever the thing is that you were going to do with him, that's what you did. He, you didn't have to have a bunch of meetings uh, scheduling, uh, there's no PowerPoint presentations. You don't have to practice. Um, it was when you were going to go do something with Gary, he was fully present, fully aware, undistracted and you and him. And if it was me and him and Don, you were going to do that thing. Um, and it's very rare. It seems like that should be common, but it's not. And so whenever, and I don't know if you had the same experience with him, if you were just sitting on the couch with Gary when he was in his cancer battle, that's what you were doing. You were fully present on the couch, doing nothing, but doing everything. And so, and that applied to, if he was playing a concert for 50,000 people, that applied to if he was going to ride his bike across America, it applied to, there were, most of the people in the crowd were nodding their head when I talked about this character trait of Gary, of being undistracted and willing to do that thing. Hmm. And so regardless of if there was pain involved, effort involved, um, he didn't care. He just was like, I am going to be there. I'm not going to be looking at my phone. I'm not going to be distracted. If I am choosing to be with you, we're going to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And it didn't mean you always succeeded. Um, we pulled up one time in a Ram race and didn't finish the race, but we did the thing. Like we showed up and we were there uh, when you and me and him rode our bikes across America, Canada, and Mexico, I had a, a, the worst crash I've ever had on a bike. So I didn't meet my goal, but uh, I, that was okay. Cause we did the thing. We were out there on the road doing it. So that was my message. As I thought about this extraordinary life of 
and it dovetails with something that's one of my models for 2024. The way you spend your days is the way you spend your life. So sometimes we have this aspirational version of ourselves. It's like, oh, like for this dumb example I gave a while back, I'm going to learn Spanish one day. Well, if you don't do that, if you're not trying to speak Spanish during the day, there's not some version of me in the future that speaks Spanish. You have to do the thing that you want to do. The way I spend today is the way I spend my life. And, and so there's not a magical other you that is going to be fit and is going to do these goals and is going to be, you know, that's why all these resolutions always fail. Cause we say, Oh, there's a magical idealized version of me out there. In addition to me, this other me that is going to be better. And it's like, no, that's how, that wasn't how Gary was. There was one version of him and he just did it. And it was ex- now I know 33 years later that how rare that was. But at the time, I didn't know no. it was that rare. That's awesome. Do you have your phone? I do. Open it. I just sent you a couple of pictures of us painting the tank oh, thir- nice. 33 years ago. That's amazing. Have you ever seen those? Uh, no. I mean, I probably have, but I don't remember them. Can you describe what you're seeing? Yeah, it's um, us 30 years ago. Gary's got his son on his back in a backpack, and we're at that tank, and we spray painted it to say, let no man fall. No. And, um, man, you are rocking a look. <laughs> so are you. As I am. You know what? And we didn't let him fall. We didn't let him fall. His family didn't let him fall. Uh, we held him up. His family held him up. His kids held him up. His church held him up. The people you loved and cared about, they held him up. And in a lot of ways, he held himself up. He would never use his cancer as an excuse to not be present with you. Uh, he would never really want to have a phone. You'd never get a text message from him. He had a flip phone. Uh, and I'm going to tell you more about what I said about Gary at the eulogy next. <laughs> Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now, listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home, but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home, and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington, and we're going to Mexico, and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home, and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is... The gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them, and I had to tell them, hey, it's the summer months. You want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in, and Ron, you must do your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do, sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. We're talking about our friend uh, Gary Verrill just passed away from prostate cancer at the age of 67. Uh, he's a battle he fought for nine and a half years and he was supposed to live six months. 
He lived for nine and a half years. He never drank. He never smoked. He was this major uh, athlete, father, friend, husband, musician. And they say because of that, because he lived such a clean life, he had the organs of a 30-year-old. He was able to fight this battle in partnership and use these crazy drugs from the Cancer Care Alliance and Fred Hutch. So cool thing about him, and Ron says talk about Do the Thing, which I love. Uh, The other thing was this. When we were at the the eulogy, his hat was up there. He always wore a hat. In fact, there's a woman that I remember uh, called the church that he worked in. She felt really bad. She thought she got him fired because she complained about the fact they wore a hat inside. And a lot of people that wear hats, they typically wear a hat because they're balding. And and that wasn't his issue. Kind of an Indiana Jones's felt hat. Well, yeah. Fishing hat. Yeah, and he had different kinds of hats he liked to wear all the time. And I remember I I asked him him one time when we were younger, I said, why, why, why do you wear a hat all the time? And he said, you know, you know what? It's kind of a main thing. He goes, my father, Clayton, used to wear a hat. He'd wear a tie. He wore steel-toed boots. And a lot of times you'd see him out in the yard with a tie on and a hat and steel-toed boots with an axe in his hand, splitting wood. And he would go out there. He would say his dad would go out there to put his thinking cap on. And he said, you know, when you come from Maine, uh, people from Maine, they, they, they are thinkers. They think about things. And he said, I like to think about things. It's just the way that I'm wired. I like to put my thinking cap on. And I remember I was working at a church where I met him on the east side and I was leaving. And I was working at a Costco down the street. I was going to the University of Washington. He called me one day. He said, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I'm working at Costco, go to the University of Washington. He said, but what do you want to do? And I said, well, I'd really like to be in radio. And he said, well, how are you going to do that? And I said, I don't know. He goes, you know what? He goes, let's go jump on a bike and put our thinking caps on. And I said, I would love to do that, but I don't, I don't have a bike. And he said, well, I have 17 bikes. And this is where I learned about the race across America. He said, you can ride one of my bikes. And in fact, he gave Ron a bike, myself a bike. He would ride a bike. And we ended up training, riding these bikes. And then together, all three of us ended up riding these bikes across America. And I learned to put my thinking cap on when I was on my bike. Gary taught me that. Some of the rich conversations that we would have together before he even had a family, before he even got married, when he finally got married. And then I reflect on his life and the father that he was to these five kids and traveling all over the world and the amazing things that he did. And then, and then, and then you fast forward. Uh, Ron and I were working at a radio station. I found out my mom had cancer. So I decide solo, I'm going to ride across America. I'm going to try to do it in less than 12 days. I get to Montana and I'm about to quit. I'm hurting. Gary shows up and he said, what's going on? And I told him, he said, let's put our thinking caps on. So we, there's something going on with my Achilles. We had to solve that. He gave me something called uh, Gary Queen because we like to stop at Dairy Queen. And then I said, how am I going to do the rest of this race? And he said, well, what do you like to eat? And I said, well, you know, I like pizza. I like fried chicken. He goes, I really like cherry pie and I like Dairy Queen. He said, well, just get from restaurant to restaurant. That'll get you from town to town. Just think about that when you're on the bike, put your thinking cap on. And the next thing you know, you'll be at the border of Mexico and sure as hell, uh, that seemed to work. Fast forward number of years ago, he calls me. It's snowing here in Seattle. Uh, his friend Andy is going to drop him off in the snow up at Northwest Hospital. He has to have his hip replaced. So Andy drops him off, but Andy can't pick him up. So I go up there at night to go see him. He has just had his hip replaced, and I, and I walk in. The nurse is on the floor. They all love him. I'm supposed to go home by 9 o'clock, and he said, ah, don't worry about that. And uh, he said, what do you want to do? And I said, well... I brought some fried chicken, I brought some cherry pie, and I brought some Gary Queen. And he said, 
you know what? Let's go sit on the couch over there. We'll put our thinking caps on and let's eat it. So we sat there together and we ate fried chicken and we ate cherry pie and we ate Dairy Queen. He had on his hat and in his hospital smock. smock. And uh, we sat there and we watched, we watched the snowfall. And I probably watched the snowfall with him until one or two o'clock in the morning until uh, he began to fall asleep. And I remember taking him into his room and I said, hey, is there anything I can do for you? And he said, no. He said, "Uh, you've done everything for me. And I said, well, would you like to talk to your wife? And he said, I already talked to her. I said, would you like to talk to your kids? He said, well, it's too late. And I said, what would you like to do? And he said, I would just like for you just to sit here just sit here with me. He said, I don't want to do anything else in the world but to sit here with you right now. And uh, so I sat there with him through most of the night. And then in the morning, I ended up driving him uh, back home. And then COVID happened. And through COVID, I can remember dropping off toilet paper and dropping off boxes and boxes of Dilly Bars and Dairy Queen anytime I was on a real estate run out in that part of Woodenville. And his wife, Signy, was always wondering, why is Don always stopping by and dropping off? I get the toilet paper because there's a nationwide shortage of, of toilet paper, but she never knew why I was always dropping off uh, the Dilly Bars and uh, the Gary Queen, as I call it. So the thing that I love about him, and my son asked me, he said, Daddy, did Gary really wear a thinking cap? And I'll finish our story next about Gary's thinking cap and a conversation I had with my son on the way home on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron and Don here with Mitch Weeks. You know him better as Mitch.loans. Mitch, you have a really cool new product for investors. I think it's kind of the first I've ever heard of it. Yeah, so we have a great new investor cash flow program. And what this is, is we take the house you are buying and we inspect it, not you, the borrower. And so what we do is we look at the house and we say, will it cash flow? If you put 20% down, will it make more money than it's going to cost you to keep paying off your mortgage? And if it does, it's yours. It doesn't matter what you make on your own. It doesn't matter all these other things that we usually have to document. They don't matter. They're gone. It's just, does this house make sense? And if it does, you can buy it. All right. So you can go up to four doors, up to four units on this. And uh, Don and I have never heard of a product like this. It's pretty exciting if you've been wanting to get into the investment game. So go to Mitch.loans right now. Set up a time to talk to Mitch. See if you qualify for this new program. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. A number of years ago, before Gary died, he gave me his final bike. It was a bike that he allowed me to ride when I couldn't afford a bike. He still had that bike. It was his last bike, his last Davidson out of all 17 of his Davidsons that he rode across America. I have that bike, still has his racing number on it, 55. And that bike next week, I reach out to my friend Ed Ewing, who'll go to the Major Taylor Project. Uh, the Major Taylor Project teaches kids in the inner city to, to, to join a group, not join a gang. And along with the Cascade Bike Club, they help all these kids become bike mechanics. They rebuild all these bikes, and then together they jump on those bikes and they ride them to, uh, to uh, Portland. The Seattle-Portland run was very important to Gary. I've done it with the Major Taylor Project before, and I look forward to getting on my Davidson that I rode across America. And the young man or young girl that rebuilds that bike... And uh, 
bike 55 or ride again. And uh, I look forward, as I did a number of years ago, riding with kids to the border in one day, 210 miles in one day. I look forward to doing that again with whoever the child is, the young man, the young woman that rebuilds uh, bike 55. And we'll be telling you more about bike 55, the major tiller project, and what Ed Ewing is doing there with bike works. Uh, bike works. But before we get out of here, uh, my son, we got in the car. Uh, he was very moved by the service. He was very moved by Gary's kids got up and sang. They helped eulogize their father. Some of the Gary, other Gary's friends got up. They said some amazing things, especially our friend Andy O'Shea, uh, who they call Snacks. Your son at the uh, reception told me, he goes, this was a really good funeral. Yeah, so so it, it, it was. And, and, and Gary's wife, Signe, at the end, I've never heard a spouse quite eulogize uh, a partner in the way that she did. It was it was it was very beautiful, and we we were all extremely moved by it. Anyway, my son still calls me daddy in private moments, even though he's thirteen. Uh, he certainly doesn't do that when we're playing football, so it's coach. But so we're we're, we're driving home, and uh, this is what he says to me. He says, "Daddy," he goes, "That was the best funeral that I have I've ever been to." He's only been to two, by the way. He's been to Gary's and he's been to my, my late sister's. Anyways, he says, I'm going to miss 55. And again, we call him 55 because that was his number in the race across America, bike 55. And then he asked me this question. And as a parent, I would ask you, how would you answer this question? He said, where do you think he is right now? And I said to him, I said, did you feel him in your heart today in the songs that his children sang? Did you feel him in your heart in the stories that were told? And did you feel him in your heart in the eulogy in the words spoken by his wife, Signe, at the end of the service? And he said, I totally felt that. And I said, well, that is where 55 is right now. And my son just said to me in a very sweet way, he said, well, I will always keep him there. And I said to him, I said, and I will too, Bubba. And he said to me, he says, because daddy, that is what friends do. And I said, that's right, Bubba. That is what friends do. And then he asked me, do you think I can get a thinking cap like the one that he wore? Is that really why he wore a hat all the time? And I said, well, that is what he told me, Bubba. And then he said, I wish more people wore thinking caps. And I said, I think you already wear one, Bubba. And I wish that more people would wear a thinking cap too. Forever in our hearts, number 55, Fifth place in the race across America, Gary Verrill in the Ram race. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, race 55. Here's something I'm going to play for you real quick on the way out. This is Dave Irish. He sent this to me today. And after hearing Ron and I speak and everybody else at the eulogy, uh, he wrote this song. And he played it for me through his, just through his phone. And I'm going to play it through my phone right now. So... Uh, I'm going to turn it up as much as I can, and I hope you can hear it. We say goodbye to 55, 
Finally cross the finish line On your final ride to Atlantic City Finish well, finish strong Over mountains high, through valleys long State the course on your adventurous journey What a legacy Our thanks to Dave Irish for that song, and Atlantic City is the final stop in the race across America. And right before Gary died with his ram ring on, he looked at his wife, Signe, and said, Signe, we've done it. I've made it to Atlantic City. And then he passed away. Head up, shoulders back, do the thing, put your thinking cap on. And we will see you next time. You can listen to the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back. And keep blowing that trumpet. And we'll see you next time. Only. 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. 